They say this war is a cloud over the land. But they made the weather. And then they stand in the rain and say, it's raining. Charles Frazier, Cold Mountain. y'all i'm ryan whitley i'm jessica berg and i'm damian smith and together we're whiskey and the weird and we're excited to be back with you for season four each season we explore one volume of the british library's tales of the weird series which exhumes the lost weird fiction of yesteryear by mostly obscure authors each episode we analyze one story from that volume and the forecast for these discussions is always Full spoiler. This season, as fair autumn breezes turn cruel and biting, we're excited to be reading Heavy Weather, Tempestuous Tales of Stranger Climes, edited by Kevin Manwaring. So batten down those hatches, friends, and button up those peacoats, because a foul wind is blowing, and it's blowing a story our way. And Jessica is here to tell us all about it. What are we reading, Jess? Tonight, we've got Summer Snowstorm by Adam Chase. Fantastic. Well, before we get to that, we've got a little bar talk to do. Damien, what are you drinking tonight? I am very excited about tonight's story. So in order to celebrate, I am having what I should have had a while ago, which is a dark and stormy cocktail. Nice. Using Kraken rum, actually some Trader Joe's ginger beer. It's not my favorite, which is main root ginger beer. Very, very spicy. Kind of hard to find in your local grocery store. I happen to live in New England and in the Northeast, so main root products are more readily available to me. <laughs> and a little squeeze of lime. Very simple cocktail. A lot of you know it. It looks beautiful in the glass. It sure it's does. Perfect. It's perfect for these kind of crazy things that occur in this entire season. Could be fueled by dark and stormy. So enjoy <laughs> it. I like Kraken. It's a little more on the molasses side for dark rums, but it pairs well really nicely with this. It's got a nice bottle beer. too. Oh, gorgeous. Very cryptidy. And then as far as my thing that I've been kind of enjoying, I I just wrapped up reading Anya Allborns. It's the third book that I read of hers. It's uh, it's called Brother. Mm-hmm. It's got a terrible cover. I think all of Anya Allborn's books have terrible covers. I'm just going to say it right now. Her writing is exquisite. Yeah, they're I not really, the really covers. like it. The covers never do them justice. So uh, I knew that by reading The Shuddering, I believe it was called, and um, Seed within the last year or so. And so this is my third venture. And this is by far the ickiest one that I've read. <laughs> uh, it's all about an Appalachian dysfunctional family and really like test the theme of family and what it means to be someone's brother and what you do for family and uh, what happens when some of your family are cannibals. So essentially <laughs> really uh, an everyday problem. It's just, you know, <laughs> it's a light read. <laughs> so uh, pick it up at your local bookstore today. That's brother by Anya Alborn. Jess, how about you? Uh, hold on. Let me grab my hot toddy. Oh, out of a mug. Out of a mug. And, okay, so it's hot toddy. I'm using the Bull Run bourbon. And I am using some whiskey barrel-aged honey in it. Oh, look at you. For maximum fanciness. I did (laughs) not have a cinnamon stick because I used them all whenever I made apple cider. It's not cinnamon anyway. But, yeah, it's a really solid, nice, warm drink. Where did you find this whiskey barrel-aged honey? So I'm 99% sure that I got it from Reed for Christmas. Thanks, Reed. Thanks, Reed. Uh (laughs) Shout out to Reed. 
It's really good. It's like a smoky bourbony honey. Okay, that sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a little bit much for like toast, but for something like no, this, it isn't. It's perfect. <laughs> it's it sounds great for toast. <laughs> Ryan's pulling in front of like Saturday morning cartoons with a big jar of that bourbon <laughs> honey on a spoon honey. and just like going to town. Well, um, I, love, and, I, I call biscuits honey delivery systems, so I can yeah, put that's, yes, that's a true. any kind of honey on there. HDS. Uh, and I've been reading the book, and then I woke up. It's a novella short novel by Malcolm Devlin. Okay, so Damien, a couple seasons ago, you recommended Severance by Ling Ma yeah. as a kind of mm. like fun zombie novel. Yeah. This is kind of similar to that so i like severance and then i picked this one up and they remind me of each other which okay a very different take on what being a zombie means this one has like affects your perception of what's going on around you instead of like infecting you with something that's going to kill you okay uh, i dig it i dig it yeah it was and it had the way that it was set up i was like oh that's gonna be a plot hole oh they'll never figure out how to like close that loop and they did and they buttoned awesome. everything up so nicely and oh, i'm like so it. happy about it a tight beginning middle and end <laughs> i dig it what was it called again uh and then i woke up it's got a bright pink cover with a guy's head exploding on it. it's really wait kind of like severance i think severance had a bright pink uh, cover yes, too it did look for the bright pink zombie books folks yeah, that's the ones that are gonna start a collection <laughs> it's just those two so far but uh i think we're gonna start a movement uh cool. ryan what are you drinking I am drinking one of my Christmas presents tonight, uh, given to me by a faithful parishioner who knows me uh, a little too well, apparently. <laughs> they gave me this lovely bottle of rye whiskey called The Wise Man, which is a thematic mm. Christmas gift that I enjoyed. Cool, 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 cool. <laughs> uh, it, it's got all that rye spiciness that you're anticipating, a little bit of honey on the back end, and it's just a lovely drink to have neat or with just a cube or two of ice, not not anything more than that. Uh, it's too fancy of a rye for me to to mix with drinks, so this yeah. is going to be one that I drink straight. I'm enjoying it. Are you getting so, notes of frankincense and myrrh in that, or is that? Uh... Oh, absolutely. Uh, in the nose <laughs> is the frankincense, <laughs> and then myrrh on the on the finish. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> myrrh when you have too many and you're like, I gotta eat something. Myrrh. That's right. So I want to give a special thanks uh, tonight to Destiny and Lauren who gave me that lovely bottle of. Thanks, Rye. Destiny Thank and Lauren. Yes. Thanks, Destiny and Lauren and Reed. <laughs> As for what I'm enjoying, I'm going back to my fantasy roots here at the start of the new year, and I am reading an absolutely banger book uh, called The Poppy War by R.F. Quang. Uh, it's been out for a couple of years, but the series, which is a trilogy, it's just finished. Um, so uh, I've just finished the first book. It is so that awesome. That one's the first one? This is the first one. Yep. Okay. So awesome. So fun. Had me cheering out loud at several points really? uh, during the book. It's really gross and really violent. Okay. Um, but it's also like, it, it, what's so fun about it is that she writes in such a way that uh, she really sort of uh, heightens the sort of fantasy tropey language and, and melodramatic situation and then cuts, <laughs> a, cuts through it all with this sarcastic, almost modern remark. Uh, right. that that ends a whole chapter or a whole section and it's it's just it's really great writing it's delightful uh that's the poppy war by rf quang it's a, a trilogy of books and it is all completed for you fantasy completionists out there it's all done already so <laughs> very cool Ooh, exciting what good recommendations yeah 
All right. Well, that's going to take us into our author and publication info for tonight. So if you try to look up Adam Chase's bio on the internet, all you're going to find is a lot of pages talking about the guy who was the executive producer of the American hit TV show Friends. They're for not a, the same guy? For, for a hot minute, I wondered, you know, could it be? Uh, but no, it, it could not. After some more clicking around, I learned our Adam Chase was the pseudonym for a guy born with the name of Stephen Marlowe, who was most frequently known as Milton Lesser. Sure. Less frequently known as Andrew Frazier and Jason Ridgway and C.H. Thomas and even once or twice as Ellery Queen. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> At this point, friends, I need to admit that I have no idea who we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan's an AKA overload. Right now. <laughs> as an author or potentially authors, he was very prolific in the genres of science fiction, crime, thrillers, and even some uh, young adult work before young adult work was marketed separately. For as many names as we know Milton Lesser by, we don't know a ton about his life. He was a William and Mary grad. He was a Korean War vet, and he was married to Lee Lang for a time, though that marriage ended in divorce. Sources have it her last words to him were, I just don't know who you are anymore. <laughs> I'm genuine. That's a genuine laugh. That's a genuine laugh. That was a good one. <laughs> he holds the prestigious Lifetime Achievement Award from the Private Eye Writers of America organization and also served on the board for the Mystery Writers of America. Later in life, he remarried a woman called Anne who took his name possibly prompting him to get a new one. Sure. <laughs> Three of his later works were fictional explorations of historical figures. The first one was the memoirs of Christopher Columbus, which won him the French Prix Gutenberg du Livre. Pardon my French. Oh, yeah, wow. it's, ba it's bad. I know <laughs> it's bad. After Zinger tonight. Oh, boy. A roll. <laughs> the second book was The Life and Death of Miguel de Cervantes. And the third was The Lighthouse at the End of the World about our friend Edgar Allan Poe. Milton was born in Brooklyn on August 7th, 1928, and Stephen died on February 22nd, 2008 <laughs> in Williamsburg, Virginia. <laughs> Summer Snowstorm was originally published in the October 1956 issue of Amazing Stories, a sci-fi magazine that started its run in 1926 and continues today. The first issue contained only reprints, including Poe's The Facts in the Case of M. Valdemar, which we covered in Episode 8 of Season 3. Over its tenure, Amazing Stories has published the biggest names in the genre, from H.G. Wells to H.P. Lovecraft John Campbell to Isaac Asimov, Lieber to Bradbury to Heinlein, and a whole bunch more. It was the first magazine of its kind and continues to be influential today. Its founder, Hugo Gernsback, has been called the father of science fiction for his role in creating the magazine, and the genre's highest award, the Hugo, bears his name. So that's going to take us to our summary, which I believe Jess has for us tonight. I sure do. It was, as the expression goes, raining cats and dogs. People are annoyed, but not shocked until it starts to snow. 
we open on our hungover main character, Johnny Sloman. His coworker, Bots, is yelling and waving a piece of paper in his face. Both dudes work for the Weather Bureau, and Johnny is responsible for submitting a weather forecast every 10 days. But for today, he messed up. Instead of typing the accurate prediction of 80 degrees with rain, he typed and submitted 80 degrees with snow. That punk. <laughs> Bots <laughs> continues to yell about what an idiot Johnny is. There's an opening in the bureau for someone to be promoted, but obviously with a mistake like this, Bots knows Johnny will be passed over. Another coworker, Harry, strolls, uh, strolls in late, and Johnny knows that even with everything that Johnny has done to make his boss like him become a because of this one dumb error, Bettis will probably get that promotion over him. And why did Johnny make such a stupid mistake to begin with? Well, his fiance left him because he's not going anywhere in life, so he went out and got drunk. When Harry walks back in the office, he's loudly joking about how everyone knows how bad he messed up and calls him Johnny Snowman instead of Johnny <laughs> Slowman. <laughs> Whitney joke right there. Gotcha. <laughs> Harry heard about the mistake because one of the bureau secretaries is roommates with the ex-girlfriend and Harry, a classy guy, immediately starts talking about asking the ex-girlfriend out. Her name is Joanne. Then... The three secretaries also come into the office aghast. They're staring at Johnny and not saying anything until they point out the window at snow. The news is going crazy and the three guys working in the bureau try to figure out how this could be happening. Harry tries to make up some sort of bonkers explanation that all rain starts out as snow and this is just that, but it was pushed down because of the wind or something, but obviously nobody is buying it. One of the secretaries comes back in. Uh, presumably this one's Joanne's roommate because she can't wait to tell Joanne what she's just discovered, which is in his time at the bureau, Johnny has made 55 forecasts, including this one for snow, and 100% of those forecasts have been correct. The weather bureau average is 75%. So Harry seems to be the only one that immediately understands what this means. Johnny isn't great at predicting the weather, He's controlling the weather. If he says snow in July, it snows in July. If he wants the perfect weather for picnics and ball games, he's going to have it. Bots wants to call Washington, but the already scheming Harry says he can't do that until he talks to Johnny's manager, which he declares himself to be, obviously. Harry has big plans for this immediately. He wants to sell Johnny's services. He can divert floods, solve droughts, and most importantly, make millions doing this. All Harry asks in return for his skill of booking and promotion is 25% of whatever they make. He further entices Johnny to take this deal by saying this will also get Joanne back. So Johnny agrees and they take out an ad in the paper alongside the news reports of Johnny's correct predictions. Both men immediately quit the bureau and they start bringing in a ton of cash. He creates a flood in the panhandle to save dying crops. He stops a snowstorm to save stranded miners, breaks up a hurricane, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and rakes in $50 million. Soon, they have a whole fleet of secretaries, and they have to turn down 90% of their requests coming in because they are so swamped. Johnny and Joanne are back together, but because he's so busy, the actual marriage keeps being postponed. They are just uh, engaged forever. 
This suits Harry fine because he thinks that Joanne is most likely just after the money and will want Harry's share. Meanwhile, scientists are studying Johnny and no one has an explanation until a, f- a physician in beautiful Duluth, Minnesota. Been there. Wonderful. Puts together an extremely dumb explanation that seems to satisfy at least most people. So the weather can have an effect on people causing painful symptoms if you have rheumatism or like the people who get an achy knee or whatever. Right. Swollen joints and stuff, right? But what Johnny has is the reverse. He's affecting the weather in the same way the weather affects some people. It sounds a little dubious, but we're moving past it. That winter, the Undersecretary of Defense comes to visit Johnny. Harry doesn't want to let him in, but Joanne says it's his duty to help. The Undersecretary starts his pitch. Johnny could be the biggest single factor for peace the world has ever known. Then, of course, he starts talking about all the things Johnny could do for war because war is peace or whatever. He could starve out enemy troops, bog them down in fog or rain, and then at the same time, he could ensure that their troops, the Americans, are always fed and dry and happy. Think about it. The undersecretary keeps yelling, get out of here, Harry yells back. A few days later, someone from the FBI shows up. Oops, they accidentally let a report get out that shows everything that Johnny is able to do, and they want to keep him under round-the-clock protection from enemy agents who might try to kidnap him for his gifts. Our dude Harry thinks this is all an elaborate story to get Johnny to agree to work for the government and doesn't want bodyguards to be anywhere near Johnny because that will be bad for business somehow. Johnny isn't really able to get a word in. The FBI guy leaves. Joanne storms off. Johnny thinks she's gone for good this time. Two weeks later, Johnny gets a letter from the enemy. Because it's somehow an unofficial letter, the FBI says they can't help. They know that tons of people are being kidnapped and taken to the motherland, but tough luck, you're on your own. The letter, of course, says that they... The enemy have kidnapped Joanne, and the only way she can live a normal life is if Johnny goes there to live with her. Otherwise, we believe you know what the other kind of life is like here. Johnny finally blames Harry for being terrible and getting them in this mess and punches him. He knows that he should have gone to work for the government and solved world peace or whatever. Uh, And now Joanne is kidnapped, and he will never predict the weather again. Cut to Johnny asking the Secretary of Defense to parachute him into the motherland. (laughs) He parachutes in, is chased by a farmer with a gun, causes a big rainstorm to cover his tracks, and the flooding displaces hundreds of thousands. But that's just sort of a footnote. We're moving past that, too. He makes it to the capital and is taken prisoner immediately. His captors threaten to kill him and kill Joanne, but he promises that it will never stop raining if they do that. It keeps raining during this conversation and water starts seeping into the dungeon where he's being kept. The party secretary needs them to give Johnny whatever he wants because the rain is ruining their economy. (laughs) There's a couple of dumb lines about how they all want peace (laughs) and maybe that's what he wants too. And so anyway, they let Johnny and Joanne go. And now it's a month later. 
Johnny's reign and threats of more reign have caused America's enemies to stop sending their troops to places that America doesn't want them. Stop giving aid to the places that the U.S. doesn't want aid to go to and stop sending guns to other countries, the whole deal, et cetera, et cetera. So (laughs) Johnny mostly (laughs) retires because just the threat of him doing something like that again is enough to keep every other country in line. But he does occasionally pop in to solve the biggest crises. Obviously, he gets married to Joanne and people start to think maybe he was a fraud all along. But the enemies don't think that. Oh, no. Oh, no. The end. Yay. <laughs> All right. Wait, that was a, a wild ride. <laughs> that was a wild ride. And there's quite possibly more in that summary than there is in this story. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a tight one. It's a tight one. <laughs> so let's get started then. After the first few pages of this story, did it go where you guys thought it was going to go or not? And did that make you excited or disappointed? I'm happy with where it went, but no, it didn't go the way that I thought it was going to go. But then I realized that this was not a story about a weather predicting man. It was a story about something much broader. We'll save that for later (laughs) in the conversation. I'm not sure where I thought it was going to go either, but it definitely wasn't parachuting into the motherland for some light espionage (laughs) and casually displacing hundreds of thousands of people to get his girlfriend back. I'm not mad that that's where it went, but it's it. It was a wild ride for this series so far. I don't yeah. think that we've had another story that was quite as, uh, I don't know, ex, like explicitly Goopy? weird as this one. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> yeah, like a this spy one totally caught thriller. me off guard too. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, I, I it didn't go anywhere where I thought it was going to go, uh, <laughs> and yet I was. I was excited by that because once I realized that this was a supernatural A team episode, I was yeah, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> this was a this was a lot of fun. Uh, in the end, it just you you had to reset your expectations twice. I think in the story about about a quarter of the way through it, and then again about halfway through it, you had to you had to reset what you thought was going to happen. But kudos yeah, to, to Adam Chase or whoever for for uh, <laughs> accomplishing that. That's yeah, a, that's some a guy wrote feat. a fun story. Yeah. <laughs> Human XB7 did a great job. Right. <laughs> so, uh Damien, you've you've alluded to this. Do you think this story was written with a deeper point in mind or is it just a fun story? Yeah, no. I think that I, I think that the whole the central point, right? Oh, man predicts weather. Okay, great. Now, remove that and replace it with literally anything, and it mm-hmm. becomes a story about a man with a, a, or you know, a human being with a talent that would benefit the nation as a mm-hmm. whole, mm-hmm. applied mainly towards, you know, conflict, either prevention or giving us the upper hand with foreign enemies. Uh, at the center of it is man choosing potential love over honor to country. It felt very propagandish a bit. And it, it, I mean, it cherry picks some real rudimentary tropes, but at the end of the day, I just think that it, it, it read more or less like, you know, honor thy country, do what's important, uh, in, in the grand global scheme of things. If you have the ability to control weather, your first duty is to your, to your motherland and not right. the other motherland. Right. A totally um, different one. Yeah. And, and. I just think that's kind of funny. The first thing that we discover with, or the first thing that we as a society do with this fantastic discovery 
is apply it to the military war machine. Right. <laughs> you know, right. It's just like, of course. So I think that that was the story. The central figure behind it could have been literally anybody with some special, you know, applicable power. Mm-hmm. Well, you have to think about the time in which it was written, too, right? Yeah. This is 1956. Right. Uh, so we're 11 years after the conclusion of World War II. Right. Uh, the, the Cold War is ramping up. Yeah. Uh, and and concerns about Russia are are heating up in America. Uh, Reds think, under the bed. Yeah. This is this is 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 this the McCarthy era yet or is that a little bit later? I don't know, man. I hate history. If if, <laughs> if we're on pub quiz, you know, if we're doing pub quiz together, like I'm the guy who will do anything. I need somebody who's strong in history and general well, geography. In this order is either the it. McCarthy era or or McCarthy is getting ramped up too at this point in time. Okay. And and the red scare, the pink scare, pick a color in the red spectrum, I guess, uh, is, Magenta is, go- is <laughs> vermilion horror uh, is going on in America. And and this story uh, seems to be speaking to that, at least yeah. uh, from the perspective that Damien brought up of of you, we all need to do what's best for our country and not necessarily what's best for ourselves. Yeah, there is a Superman comic called Superman Red Sun that is really good it's about doesn't the red sun like sap him no it is what if superman's spaceship as a baby landed in russia so what if superman was russian uh, essentially okay. anyway right. i was i didn't think about that until we started talking that that's a very funny like that's what this story is a precursor to is a little bit who wants the good guy to be where where is the good guy and does that make him the bad guy if he's over there now instead right. of so um another aspect of of perhaps um shall we say deeper motifs or themes that could be brought out in this story uh have to do with climate change in in our own era of increased awareness of climate change does this story hit any differently than it might have originally in 1956 does it hit the reader yeah because yeah you know the things that they're facing are obviously supernatural as Mm -hmm. it were and largely controlled by a single individual so it becomes a vehicle of grandeur right whether it's everywhere it's global um but by no means is it something that is overly concerning for a lot of people that's the foreign enemy that's overly concerning that's the fact that I guess there's nicotine in cigarettes that make it bad for us. And, you know, you can't just anymore like throw a bunch of trash on the side of the road. Those are the awareness points that are going on then. Now it's like we have no control over the weather because we've, 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 you know, hamstrung the the globe with regards to being able to self-regulate. So I think it definitely reads a little bit more novel, but the crazy thing is that even though we know that and that's our current environment, like this still reads as a fantasy story a bit. Mm-hmm. So you don't draw that conclusion. I don't read this and go like, oh, weather, so topical because there's right. massive <laughs> okay. flooding. Okay. Yeah, you know, fair. I, I don't. I don't draw that connection, even though, yeah, it's definitely more relevant now, I would say, with regards to extreme changes in weather. Right. Like, I think you could read this and be like, oh, man, it sure would be nice to have a guy who could solve all of our climate change issues by just making it rain where it needs to rain or whatever. But also I think we live in a time where we've met people the the guy who has this power is not ever going to be the guy you want to have this power. No. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
It's like lottery winners. You're like, how in that? Ugh. Right. Like, who now, I think what? we already we already met him. Right. His name was Linus from from Peanuts. He, oh, he just was really localized. <laughs> that was Pigpen. Pigpen. Sorry. Oh, oh Linus. Better get back to the good ones. <laughs> like, well, I think Linus was fine. Nuts. <laughs> but yeah, it's mean, a this... security blanket. This is definitely a problem that could be solved with one guy fixing all of our weather issues. But I think as the story illustrates, the government is definitely going to have some say in it. And their focus is going to be starving mm-hmm. out whoever they decide is an enemy. Right. And I I don't have a lot of faith in any one person to currently make great decisions. That Are you kidding? Al Roker. Lot. Al Roker will <laughs> save the world. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you guys think about the character then of of Joanne in this story? How how might you uh improve her character if you were to suggest some edits to Mr. Chase? Well, I don't know. She's got about as much depth as a kiddie pool. So, you know. <laughs> tell tell author Anonymaton to uh to to give the female characters a little bit more depth as opposed to being conniving, plastic and like self-driven. Um, they were just not factors. I think they were foils and they were, they were motivation. They were total <clears throat> foils, you know? And so that's it. But otherwise they were just, it, it, it was a, a bit of a MacGuffin. The relationship yeah, I don't yeah. think itself. Joanne's a real character. She like the worst thing about her is the things that other people are imagining, right? Like Johnny thinks if he gets this promotion, it will make Joanne love him. Harry thinks that if they get married, then Joanne will want Harry's share of the money. Right? Like, we don't see any of that of Joanne. She's not a, she like storms out a couple times. That's sort of her deal. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, look, it's it's like it's a hallmark. She storms out. (laughs) (laughs) It's a a hallmark of of the worst kind of this writing, in my opinion. Right? We get all kinds of pulpy writing. Uh, in which uh, women have have more or less agency, but in the worst of those examples, like this one, the the female characters have no agency whatsoever, but or as soon as the paper they're written. This isn't, but this isn't like noir, where you know the woman has this subtle power and is really like the central figure behind the whole thing, even though all she is is an archetype of sexuality and mis- mystery. This is like a macho story. And so, yeah. of course, the woman is a non-factor. Of course, the only thing that she's good for is instilling animalistic drive to, like, <laughs> marry and procreate and blah, blah, blah. So she becomes a foil to the main central figure, which right. is, of course, a man. <laughs> you know, so I'm not I wasn't surprised to see a lack. No, of I'm not surprised. It's just it, it, when I when I read pulpy stories and, and I do read a fair amount of them, uh, the the ones that do this are not the ones that I enjoy the most or remember the most. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Right. I, I, I like the ones in, that are a little right? bit they deeper. All, yeah. 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 They all just sort of blend in or they're representative of like a central thought point or a central theme. And you go, okay, I remember the theme of this story, but mm-hmm. I don't remember anything else about it. I don't remember right. how they got from point A to point B. I don't even remember how it wraps up, but I do remember it was kind of about this. It re- this one reminds me of um, the Wicked Flea that we covered. Yeah, the other really okay. yeah, the Geezy story. Yeah, yeah, where the the daughter slash girlfriend is just reacting to uh-huh. all of the wild antics. You know, like yeah. she got more to react to than Joanne did in this one. But 
same it's, kind yeah, of it was vibe like, of a man can't talk to himself, so he needs somebody <laughs> to stand there and provide dialogue <laughs> for him to react to. <laughs> and to storm out when he does something wrong. <laughs> So uh, we've look, we've already touched on this a little bit, but I've got to raise it here. The story calls attention to the weaponization of new tech- technology as a phenomenon. Uh, what do you think about that, both in the context of how it's treated in the story and and how it's treated in in our lives? It's strange in the story that it's so like the moral seems to be that Johnny should have been listening to the government all along, like. If he had been doing this for the government, then he wouldn't have had his girlfriend kidnapped, I guess. Yeah. Um, but then also the government let your girlfriend get killed. Like, it, it's a propaganda in a way that still doesn't make anyone look great. But it also doesn't surprise anybody. It's it's no. just like, <laughs> oh, well, the military comes in and says, we found a militaristic application to your gift. Right. (laughs) Support your country. The FBI says, oh, we're an intelligence agency. And oops, by the way, we let slip the fact that this is your story. Now you have no choice. I mean, that was a chess game. So they obviously it it obviously didn't like get out unknowingly. (laughs) Like, you know, they, they, they purposely put his family in danger to, you know, prompt him to join the federal government's um, efforts. And so it like I don't think it was surprising how it was executed. And I think it was something that people would say, yeah, that's what they do, right? That's what the U.S. war machine or the military complex does. Mm -hmm. That's what the FBI does. Um, It could have been, and and almost the fact that we ended up finishing the story being like, oh yeah, you could have avoided a lot of stress had you just signed up to begin with. You know, I think was the point. (laughs) It was like, oh, okay. Okay. So, I I mean, that's, that's what I took away from the story is a recruitment tool. A little bit, yeah. Right. That's but why. That's why like, it does fit the propaganda. Uh, but they're uh, still doing a bad job, right? Like I don't know. Like nothing about it's this. It's a little satirical, you know. Yeah, I, I'm hoping it's more satirical. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for coming into the recruitment office today, son. Here, read this while you wait. <laughs> I, from a story perspective, and again, I enjoyed every sharp turn that this story took. But from a story perspective, it was a very sharp turn. Uh, it was almost like now we're reading a completely different story. Right. This uh, guy can parachute for some right. reason. And and while, you know, while. <laughs> Although there was that one point where he like, when he landed and like some farmer was chasing after right. him or something. Yeah. It was on like the Poland border and some farmer was chasing after him. He's like, why did I do this? This was stupid. I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> but, then he like, but then he like raised like fog or something, hit himself. Right. And he goes, okay, now I can do this. And then yeah. he did. I do like it how fog was his first go to. Like, yeah. Polish farmer chasing me angrily with pitchfork is definitely going to be a a lightning bolt. He did have a gun. (laughs) He was a red soldier. They did put it out there. (laughs) Yeah, for me, it was just, uh, this is not going to be one of those stories that uh, ultimately I remember for its craft. You're not going to be a story that I remember for its its fun fact. (laughs) For the inevitable question about how was the writing, the writing was moderate. (laughs) In fact, I'm not even asking that this time. It was a pitch. (laughs) The writing was, it was a pitch. It was a, it was a story summary as a story and unto itself. Yeah. Yeah. An outline for a screenplay. Right. Yep. Yep. 100%. So was there anything particularly memorable about what you read? Was there a quote or something that you enjoyed? The only part that I thought was sort of a a chilling kind of feeling was when he was threatening them when he's being held in the dungeon. Yes. And like water starts seeping in the walls. I feel like that was the 
maybe the only time that water and the weather was written about in a way that actually made me think about water or the weather, right? Like everything else was a footnote of like, and he solved this by doing this and he's, but Mm -hmm. the one instance of where you can actually see the water coming in, I think it was effective that maybe the story needed more people reacting to the weather or real people being affected, right? It was, he flooded all of Russia and it was half a sentence about it. And that's all you got. Like, I don't know, show some people running from the rain, show some people being affected by it. I think that well, would have been. I guess at least they always kept it around him, right? Sort of that if this was written as a screenplay, he would be in every scene, you know, because yes. they right. didn't really take outside of his general area. Right. I, it would be I, him watching a TV where it says right. storm. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Or over the wire. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So I, I totally agree with Jessica. I thought that that was a little bit haunting. And also in that same scene where he's like, I'll make it rain and never stop. I was thinking to myself, like, you know, kind of to Jessica's point about how do you learn how to parachute? I was thinking, where does the rain actually stop? Like, could he say it's going to rain everywhere all at once, mm-hmm. always for eternity? Is he drawing boundaries in his mind for like, you know, the Russian, the Russian border? I, I, I was laughing at that thinking, like, how serious is this threat? Because it's sounded- I had some some questions about the mechanics yeah i was like, I, you know i'm diving into like and this, this is where I do it that. falls I, apart no, i science i science question the magic. mechanics of yeah, this I, I science <laughs> i try and scientist magic and it, it ends up failing for everybody so I, I that was pretty memorable the other part that i thought was super memorable was um the when uh the representative from the uh, military basically gave the list and it was item and it was like item you can do this item. You can do <laughs> right. this. And it was like, you, you can, you know, create drought, starve out the crops. Yeah. You can, you can flood the, uh, the, uh, the logistical, like the transport lines. Here's how we're going to create peace. Yeah. And it was like, it was laid out as a, here's, it was like a PowerPoint. Like, here's what you can do. And it was so grand. <laughs> But delivered so matter of factly, I was like, "That's that's pretty scary." Because I'm sure that's what they will do at any first opportunity. Right? They discover like an immortal human being. Like, here's all the ways that you can use your undyingness to kill our enemy. It was a one page, single spaced bullet point list of how to rewrite the shape of the Earth. Yeah, it was was so crazy. It was so crazy. Turn around pretty quickly too. I, I liked uh, how funny the story was, whether that yeah. was intentional or unintentional. Right. I, I right. don't I know. It, it had to be. It, it had to be. be a little bit, right? But one of my favorite lines was was early on in the story. This uh, character of Harry Bettis was probably my favorite character because he's such a, such a jerk and everybody yeah. has worked it's with like this guy. Yes. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And so so he's making fun of, of, uh, of Mr. Slowman and he's like, do I? We all ought to shout this to the rooftops. Slowman, my foot. You've got a new name, Sonny. Snowman, Johnny. Snowman. Johnny groaned. Instinctively, <laughs> he knew the name would stick. I mean, like stick, right? Like stick like snow. It was, I I almost, I, I almost died laughing and quit reading at the same time. It was so bad. Did you Everybody's read worked of, with Harry Bettis. Did you read every one of Harry Bettis's lines as the Southerner? Who also like <laughs> quoted Cold Mountain? I'm just questioning. Uh, a, a, a few, a few of them. I bet you did. I even tried. I even tried one as an Australian, but it didn't work out. Oh yeah, no, it didn't. No, it didn't. <laughs> That's for the Patreon followers. <laughs> All right. So, what about then uh, the weird weather quotient for this one? What do you What do you guys think about that? So, 
weird period weather period they mm-hmm. were both right mm-hmm. i think does it weather yes it weathered <laughs> there was weather weather was a central point nine okay, out of ten cool. weathers yeah nine out of ten in weather. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, was it weird? I mean, it was supernatural. It was, you know, um, so yes, it wasn't ghostly or spiritual, but it was like supernatural. And it, ne- I, what I liked about it is it never explained the gift. It never explained the cause. Yeah. Uh, it, yeah. it was just sort of like, oh, you're here. All right. Whoa. Oh, great. Well, let's work with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it wasn't a deep dive into how it came to be. It was just, well, it's here. So let's deal with it. And I appreciate that. Um, I don't know if I'd call it the weirdest, but I do think that it belongs in in collections like Amazing Stories or in publications like Amazing Stories. Sure. I think that that's exactly where it belongs. So I think it fit both, but not as weird weather. Right. It was weird, but the the goofy tone of it made it hard to be affected by anything. Yeah. You know, like I'm not, it's not a story that's going to stick with me and I'm going to think about it and worry about the weather. I'm just going to move on to the next one i think (laughs) jess do you think that with a less goofy tone it would have accomplished that goal yeah i think if you do a a spy thriller with a guy who can control the weather i mean i think it has to be a movie right you have to get all <laughs> no, your... that's like a wb series right there oh yes it is <laughs> they, they've, they've done them <laughs> i've watched that where you yeah where it's just like He's trying to escape, but he needs to make a micro tornado to open the window. You know, like there's all sorts mm-hmm. of like, like the little flick of his finger. Like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> OK, so I thought that, yes, yeah, spy thriller. But if we're going CW quality, then it's it's got to be back to being a sort of goofy thing. They have never done a, a serious. Oh, that's what it was. The CW. Why do you say WB? Now I'm picturing Jeremiah Frog. Like, hello, my baby. <laughs> all right. He's, the CW. That's a good call, Jess. I, I, I agree. I think that for me, even given the goofiness of it, of the stories we've read so far, which admittedly is not that many, right? If this is our third episode. Yeah. Uh, Maybe the this fourth. is the best fit for the weather part of this uh, of these stories. Like the lightning rod man, yeah, it's got lightning, there was some but it was totally it? weird weather. Yeah, and the the great snow. Yes, it was a lot of snow, but it wasn't totally weird. Like this is the best fit. It's just it's it's almost a shame that it was so goofy, except that I keep coming back to the fact that it wasn't a shame because it was so fun. <laughs> I mean, it was fun, but I would wholeheartedly disagree that this is the least weathery of it. Like, no, I said the most, was... we- the most weathery. The no, most I'm weathery. saying I disagree. Because oh, you think, I think it's the least is... weathery? I think it's the least weathery. All the right. Lightning Rod Man was all around the weather, which was encroaching. And the storm one, the, you know, it, the big snow or whatever it was, the great snow. Like that was all about a massive snowstorm that caused actual chaos. Like we saw the effects of that and not, not that was a weather report. It was not a story. It was still still a story (laughs) at the end of the day. Like we still resorted to eating the dead because weather like actually had affected people. And in this, it was the threat of weather could affect people. Mm -hmm. So I think the weather was least present in this than any of the stories we've read so far. Fascinating take. However, incorrect. (laughs) <laughs> Jess, one for one against. What say you? The only scene where weather was present was that dungeon scene. I think everything else, your the weather is happening far away. You just well, also when they saw the snow, 
when he predicted yeah, yeah, the snow okay. and they looked so, out the window and actually saw it snowing. Yeah, the weather like, is a, it. a thing you point at to prove your point two times. And then other than that, it is a thing that exists around the around the globe that you caused. So I don't feel... I mean, I'd still give it at 9 out of 10 weathers. There's still a lot of weather, but I, I, I don't think it's directly affecting anyone in the story kind of weather. So would you be on Team Damien? Or I'm would you be on Loser Team Ryan? Team Damien. Yes! I'll take that 66.6%! That's fine. I'll accept the loss here. Uh, but I would like to propose that if uh, Slow Man and Lightning Rod Man teamed up, they could have a heck of a business plan. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I think I think I think Lightning Rod Man would basically replace Harry and would be a much better salesman because he's not capitalizing right. on his friend. He's using his friend as a vehicle for business. Right. But they Abs- also s- still would just be yelling. Harry and the Lightning Rod Man have a lot of similarities <laughs> in their obnoxious yellingness. That's true. That's true. Well, I think that our last question for tonight is almost inevitable. If you could control the weather by forecasting it, what would your first forecast be? I don't know. I would probably make it fall year round in New England and give like. Give like a month of good, clean snow, not too long to where it gets dirty, which is like actually 24 hours here. But where people can go out and ski and enjoy it. But the rest of the time would be like straight up fall. And then a couple months of summer. So I think I would make a super extended <laughs> fall. I would eliminate spring because there's no such thing as a New England spring. I would give winter. I would tighten it up. And I would make it manageable. Tighten it up. I, would, I would tighten it up and make it manageable. <laughs> and, then, and then I would give I would give an, a nice summer. But it would mostly be fall. Like it would be fall. I can get all behind time. that. Yeah. I, I approve of fall. That would be my mandate. And I would, I would absolutely stop with the freaking hurricanes and the tsunamis. Yes, yes. We are just getting too much extreme weather around the globe. It's causing too much death and destruction. I know I'm taking a serious turn here, but no, like, you've gone serious. So it's fine though. If I'm controlling the weather. Like my parents were completely affected by the most recent hurricane in Florida. I feel their pain. I see, you know, how it affects people around the globe. These massive storms are just out of control. We're at fault for it. Like we got to own up to it. So if I'm changing the weather, I'm undoing man's influence on the globe. How localized can I make my weather? You can do whatever you want with your weather. Okay, so I Jess want... is going to use it to make her garden grow. <laughs> well, I want my backyard to be really nice, <laughs> but then I also feel like there's the most opportunity <laughs> to have a good time by going super villain route, right? Like. You pick your baseball team that's your enemy, and it always rains on them. Mm-hmm. That's a delightful use of your stupid that power. Is, I mean, that's a pretty realistic. I'm being altruistic here, like no. in world hunger, and just is like rain on my enemy's baseball team. <laughs> right, like that girl who is mean to you in high school. She gets married. Rain on her wedding. You know, like you have a Alanis big meeting. Morissette would say that that's ironic, but most people would also say it's lucky. <laughs> You have a big meeting and I would make a snowstorm so that nobody could get to it. So I didn't have to go to the big meeting. I could just stay at my house in my nice sunny backyard. <laughs> anyway, I'm using my powers for good for me, evil for everyone else, for maximum <laughs> hilarity. I'm gonna, That's I'm so gonna, Jess. I'm going to go down that same route, Jess, because I just want to rain nice. on someone's parade. 
Just a little any, bit of a, any parade. Uh, just yeah. so I can say that I rained on someone's parade. That's it. Ryan wants it as a dad joke. <laughs> Ryan wants to be able to see the news coverage and say, "Well, it looks like it really rained on their parade, huh?" Yeah, that's right. Uh, you hear that's me? Huh? Huh? You got it. All right. I don't even know if this question makes sense for this story. Did the scare nice. hold up? It it didn't. There's no scare here. There's right? no scare. Yeah. No. Uh, did, I mean, did the weird hold up? I guess we could go that route. God. I think it's relevant. Superheroes are big now. A lot of them are just sort of natural yeah. born powers. And well, so, does it does it belong in this in in a in a volume like this? Does it belong in a series like this? This story? I don't know. There's so many freedoms that they're getting that like, oh, it's weather related. Cool. It kind of fits. I mean, it's it's weather. Well, that takes us to our whiskey ratings. Then this potentially could be all over the board. <laughs> uh, Jess, let's start with you. What are you going to give this? Uh, let's go with a two. It fulfilled what it was supposed to be. It weathered, but it wasn't particularly <laughs> memorable or my favorite writing style. Even the like pulpiness of it was like, it didn't come until the back half of it mm-hmm, where mm-hmm. it felt sort of weird. I mean, it was fine. I didn't hate reading it. I'm just never going to read it again. Sure. That's fair. I'm, I want to come in on the opposite end uh, with four, four fingers of whiskey for this story. <laughs> wow. I had Holy. So- Wow. Yeah. Okay. Listen, I had so much fun reading this story. Once sure. once I was able to sort of let go and, and let it do what it was going to do, <laughs> it fit the bill almost perfectly for me. I like these kinds of pulpy stories. I take a lot of enjoyment out of them. The only thing I wanted out of it was a slightly darker take on the weatherman's powers, but that probably would have required reworking the whole story and making making it completely different from what it was yeah. so yeah uh, i'm happy to sacrifice that and i'm sticking with four fingers i'm fascinated to see where damien's coming in yeah so i mean i appreciate the shiny happy pulpiness of it i thought that the machismo the almost satirical like starship troopers ask take on like duty to country even in weird you know circumstances that that played out nicely I think what puts me at a two and a half, I'm giving this two and a half fingers, Mm -hmm. is that ultimately I look at the writing. It wasn't anything exceptional. It wasn't anything memorable. It wasn't anything that was super proficient. It read like a mediocre comic book, like a 1940s or 1930s comic book Mm -hmm. without the panels or anything to, to give it oomph. So because of that, I thought that it was essentially a pretty light parable that wasn't groundbreaking by any stretch of the imagination. I did have fun with it, which is why I didn't give a lower rating, but ultimately it was a pretty forgettable story. So I'm closer to Jess and I give it two and a half. I, I surprisingly, I can support both the two and a half and the two, <laughs> even though I'm giving it a yeah. four. <laughs> I, right, and I didn't love this story, but I, I get why people would. So. Yeah. That takes us to our if this, then that. Damien, do you have that for us? Yeah, you know what? We talked a little bit about this because we talk even outside of the pod. I know. You're you're baffled by this. <laughs> Amazing. <what> <laughs> um, and this thing covers like so many things. Do we do we focus on the fact that there's this magical element and we had entertained some, you know, publications like Ursula Legin's Earth Sea series? Um, we looked at uh, even even some of the most rudimentary things like x-men like storm from mm-hmm. x-men a, an omega mutant who can tr- arguably one of the most well-known x-men in the marvel universe and she controls weather and you know so there's that piece to it but ultimately there was a lot about like how the government influences it uh you know people how relationships influence some joe schmo who discovers that he has a superpower 
And so I think where we settled is looking at Garth Ennis's The Boys, both yep. a an extended graphic novel, as well as recently translated to, I think now it's in its third season, producing its fourth of a series on uh, Prime Video, uh, which is very good. I've read and I've watched all of that content. And I think that it's poignant because one, it demonstrates what happens when there is a superpower at play and how ultimately it becomes a government interest above all. Um, but I also think it takes it the next level and shows how it's utilized as a corporate you know, vehicle for influence right. and how these people are not like these shiny, happy superheroes that are out there for the greater good, that they are essentially like they run a gamut of different personalities. Some are vindictive and spiteful. Some are um, alcoholics and have addiction problems. And so I just think it shows the realism of what we put on high as like a superhero. It's social satire. It's political satire. It's also commentary on capitalism. And I think it more closely aligns to what this story is alluding to, even if it doesn't directly overlap. So if you haven't seen any of The Boys by Garth Ennis, also a series on Prime Video, then give it a look or check read. it out. It's it's high on my list, particularly after that endorsement. <laughs> well, that's going to do it for us tonight here at Whiskey and the Weird. Thank you so much for joining us. We always enjoy spending our evening with you. And if you're so inclined, please give us a rating and a review wherever you catch your pods. We would love to see that. We want to thank Dr. Blake Brandis, as always, for providing the music for Whiskey and the Weird. And if folks are feeling social, Damien, where can they find us? If you are feeling social, we're on Twitter at Whiskey Weird Pod, at Whiskey Weird Pod on Twitter. We're also on Instagram at Whiskey and the Weird, at Whiskey and the Weird on Instagram. We spell our whiskeys with an E. We hope you do too. If not, I will float your entire house up on a tornado until it lands in a mystical world <laughs> called Oz. <laughs> Sounds good to me. I want to give a special thanks to Greg, who recently gave us a favorable review on Facebook. Thanks, Greg. We appreciated hey, thanks, your Greg. words. Thanks, Greg. Yeah. Jess, what's our next story? Ooh, it's a good one. Up next, we've got A Mild Attack of Locusts by Doris Lessing. <laughs> I'm mildly looking forward to that. <laughs> I'm Ryan Whitley. I'm Jessica Berg. And I'm Damian Smith. And together, we're Whiskey and the Weird. Somebody send us home. As always, keep your friends through the ages and your creeps in the pages. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs>